in Milton's Paradise Lost, Satan's grandeur is a comedy and it is, is supposed to be an irrational mess. But we don't read it that way. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a part of a series we've been doing on spiritual warfare, going through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We're praying this is useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I, first, uh, when I first came to San Francisco, I actually came, I did some exploratory trips here just to talk to some local pastors about, about ministry here in the city. And I, I remember one conversation really clearly, it didn't go very well. And uh, I, I, I met these guys and I remember one of them, uh, he said something to me, I, I couldn't, I'll never quite shake I'll never quite shake. And it was, we, we were sitting at that little uh, cafe on our, guel, on our Guello, close to Fulton. We were sitting at a little motor, like a little bicycle cafe or something. It's right there. I don't know if you know it. And uh, what is it called? Yeah, Velo Rouge. And, uh, and one of the guys said, hey, I don't know how it came up, something about the devil, something about demonic issues, something about the presence of a personal evil. And we, it came up, and, and immediately they were. They, they, I was. I was told. I was actually. I guess I was being schooled or, or instructed that. Hey, we don't. You know, we don't believe in that nonsense for San Francisco. I'm not even kidding. These were evangelical pastors who said this to me. We don't. We don't. Do, I don't want to hear that nonsense about San Francisco. And I recall being kind of startled, kind of like, I. I mean, I. I, I didn't quite know how to in, interact now. 
they were engaging in what some of you are probably engaging in or are going to be tempted to think right now, and that's a skeptical view about claims about demons and devil, the devil, and all that kind of thing. And honestly, I want to engage your skepticism today. I, I have no desire to, to, to get, I, I know what I think they're reacting to. They're reacting to this. You see this? You see this? Where does this come from? Does anybody know where this comes from? It actually comes from rock and roll. It actually comes, I've actually saw people in Eastern Europe, Romania do it. It's, uh, it's to ward off evil spirits. That's where it comes from. To rebuke the devil. Um, and I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it. Uh, my car was being towed to a little village. And I remember a, a little woman looking at the tow truck, looking at us, and then spitting on the ground and doing the sun. Because what we had happened to us was bad luck. And you don't want that to touch you, right? You want to be against it. But, you know, uh, Eastern Europe and Europe itself gave rise, Africa, all over the world, it gave rise to all sorts of fanciful ideas coming out of cultural myths about who the devil is or who, what evil spirit, what demons are. In fact, some traditions, demons are, are good, actually. All sorts of weird ideas that, that inform and, and inform Hollywood deeply, right? And inform a lot of our images, cloven hoof, tail, exorcists. You ever heard of an exorcism or an exorcist? What is that? What is going on? We're going to touch on these things as we continue in this series because the next week I want to look at the schemes, the methods. They're talking about here, the, the, the uh, what are they called? The, the methods of, uh, of the devil, the schemes of the devil. But today I want to I move towards uh, talking about uh, the devil himself. And the evil one. Now, I, I don't want to. I, there's a part, I've never, ever spoken on this like this before. And I was, I was complaining to my dad this morning. I called dad. I said, dad, I was walking the dog. I'm like, dad, I need you to pray for me. I don't know what to do about it. I don't want to glorify. Uh, the, I don't want to be a part of glorifying evil <laughs> and sensationalizing and creating and, and make, confusing us with more myths. We don't, we don't need any of this. We really, we need clarity if we're going to have wisdom. And we don't need to give, give any room to, to weird, to heavy metal images. And, and we're, so bad at, we're so bad at reading so much of this stuff. We're so bad at understanding even its appearance in popular literature. We're so confused and we get so many weird ideas. Let me give you an example. I always loved ACDC. I, always, I love their music. And they have a song called Highway to yeah. Hell. We all know it. Hi, we're on a highway to hell. Yeah. And, and I remember if you, back in those days, this is before many of you were born, uh, <laughs> satanic panic. It was a big thing in the 80s. Uh, and there was all this, there was, it was because it's so kind of exciting to hear about. But you ever, you know, Christians uh, were so evangelicals, let's put them that way. Let's, let's paint them as whatever they are. But they were, were so anti-against ACDC. Well, well, you know, it's funny about that song. You know why they wrote that song? Uh, you can, they, they tell you they're from Australia. And, and they, they, you know what that song's about? Their tour in America. It was their reflections about what America is. What is America to them? A highway to hell. Well, now some of the truth, some of the wisdom, perhaps some of the images there, you say, oh, wait a second. That's, and maybe they were celebrating it. I, but at least we can read it better. A lot of our weird ideas about the devil and about his, who he is comes from John Milton, a great poet who wrote Paradise Lost. 
paradise lost. And that's where you get that expression. When Satan has been thrown down, he stands up amongst all the devils. It's a wild scene. And he gives a speech and he says something you may have heard. Better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. You ever heard of that? But Milton, uh, Milton's not read well. Milton's not read well. Because Satan has been defeated and is in hell for his torment. And when he sets himself up as the Lord of hell, it's another example of the madness of his inability to understand the world or the judgments on him. In Milton's Paradise Lost, Satan's grandeur is a comedy and it is is supposed to be an irrational mess. But we don't read it that way. We read it and we take out of these pictures and out of these poems and out of these, all uh, uh, an idea of the fantastical, which can give, uh, excite our imaginations, perhaps frighten people at night for their good, of course. But what we leave behind is a biblical realism, a science, I think, a supernatural realism about Satan. Now, so I, I, I guys, I, I've been struggling with this all week, trying to figure it out. And you know, our father's so kind. G. Campbell Morgan, one of the great preachers of the 20th century. I didn't get by him. He's worth reading. And, and what he did is he, he really introduced me. He, he had an idea of talking about how Christ views Satan. And I think that's very rich because I want to introduce you to Christ's perspective. He talks about Satan more than anybody else in the Bible. And so I, I think it's fascinating to look at his perspective and learn from it. And as we dive into, into Christ's perspective, we're going to follow that with huh, the story of Satan. Uh, a little bit of it. We'll just touch it. But remember, one of, the, one of the realities of the Bible is imperfect knowledge. We are not given perfect knowledge of the situation. We are given complete knowledge for what we need, but we're not given perfect knowledge so we can figure out all the details. And we have no idea what he looks like. Well, we do know. He was very, very beautiful. And the modern pictures of Satan do not capture the biblical story as it should. But what does Christ have to tell us about the supernatural realism about Satan? Now, and let me pause one more time here. One more, one more time here. Some of you are probably skeptics about the idea there is a devil, or there are demons, or there's a spiritual world. If you are skeptical about that right now, I'm going to ask you to simply suspend your disbelief. In other words, walk with me, walk with Christ's perspective, walk into it, walk into it and see, see if it fits a little bit, because I think it begins to describe the universe in ways that make sense of things. But uh, in your skepticism, be, be wary, be skeptical of your skepticism. And whether it has led you to truth. Because I am leading you to the, to the Savior and the Lord of truth himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. And first he tells us, Satan tempts. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you will worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. And the first thing we learn, the first thing Christ shows us, the first thing we've revealed, Satan is the tempter. He is the tempter. And this is somebody who's the origin, in a sense, the origin of all temptation. We'll see this in the story that is told of him and about him. He is the tempter. Again, what else do we learn about Satan as we kind of peer into him and how, how Christ uses the name Satan? If Satan casts out Satan, he says, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? 
What, is it, what, is it, what does Christ observe about evil and the evil character and personality of this being? He is united. He is united with others. This is a weird mystery. This is united in some way, and there's not there's 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 a there's an intelligent organizational purpose that's united against Christ's kingdom. He targets the word Christ tells us. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. I'm sowing the word right now, guys. I'm telling you about God. Bam, bam, bam. But we have a story here. And the story that Christ tells is that you may have this word for a moment. Be like, that's kind of interesting. And then later, have you ever had this happen where you can't remember what the Sunday sermon was about? Anybody? Melody has had the word plucked out of her head. She's telling us. But, what, well, this is, but, but joke, all jokes aside, Christ's supernatural realism about Satan is that he targets this moment. He targets this place because this is the word. Beware, in a sense. If this, all these things are true, what Christ understands about reality is happening as a fight for you now. Take, be, take care and be aware. Christ's supernatural realism about Satan includes Satan's ways are not Jesus's ways. In a moment where Christ says, I go to a cross to die for sinners, when he says, I go to be a sacrifice for sin, when I go to rescue those who are lost, as he's on his way, Peter takes him aside and says, no, you're not going to die. You don't have to die. You don't have to die. And what does Christ say? He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. His ways are not Christ's ways. It's the alternative, right? It's the alternative. And he presents it. It's his plan. Christ even says he can physically torment if he is permitted and ought not this woman, the daughter of Abraham, who Satan is bound for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? And I can't even, guys, I don't know how to reach into this. I can feel your skepticism beginning to bristle. But what shall you say to Christ? Shall you say he's a rustic bumpkin who didn't understand how things really work? Then you don't know him. For he is not such. He's the son of God. You know, in a sense... Because he is the son, he has insight and knowledge and, and an apprehension and a context that we don't have. He has the context of eternal and heavenly things. And he can see them and see how they eternal and heavenly things can connect physically in the world and result in physical suffering. He physically torments if he can. What's the next thing Christ teaches us about Satan? He wants us to fail. Here's a goal for you, Agatha, that you fail. Yes, he has a purpose in the temptation, not merely that you screw up or you mess up or you something. No, but that in failing, you will give up hope of love's love, give up hope of victory. You see, just give up. To sift, to grind down, Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you. You know, I would not doubt that he has demanded such things about you. 
He wants us to fail. Finally, Christ's supernatural realism about Satan, his defeat we will one day see. And he said to them, he was talking to his disciples as they were doing ministry, after they came back to do a ministry report, all 70 of them excited about their, their success. And he said to them, I saw, I beheld, I watched, he said, Satan. It's actually a watching word. It's really an interesting word, a watching, an ongoing watching. I watch, I was watching Satan fall like lightning from heaven. His defeat we will one day see as Christ saw. Now, you know what's interesting about this picture? As, I kind of, as we kind of unpack, you see, there's nothing weird here. There's nothing, there's no cloven dancing devil. There's no weirdness attributed in the modern world to the, to the mythological ideas about the devil. It's not like that. It's something much, much different, much more malicious and evil, much more connected to defeating the kingdom and Christ's work than some sort of excuse. Um, uh, what have you heard? The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And these are not providing an excuse, but they're providing an, an alternate, a, a real understanding of a presence of an intelligent evil who has these kinds of abilities. Well, God says we open it up. We're going to open up God, his, his, his methods. There's going to come even more extent. But right now, we're just looking at Christ's realism so we can understand it. Well, you know, Satan's only mentioned, it. well, actually, he does two other times. He calls him Beelzebub as well. The Lord of the Flies. That comes from the word Baal, which is the uh, ancient god who took the sacrifice of children. And the dung king, the prince of corruption, the Lord of the Flies. Matthew 10, 25. It is enough for the disciple to be like his master and the servant like his master. They have called the master of the house Beelzebub. That's what they called him. It's called Jesus. How much will they malign those of his household? Satan's old names. Christ uses them. But he also has a new name. Does anybody know what his new name is? The devil. The, the devil's never plural in the Bible. It's always one, 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 one word. It's always a singular. It comes from the word, word diabolu, adversary, enemy, one who separates, diabolu, throw through, to separate, to break apart. He will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And that really starts getting to the end of everything Christ tells us. There's going to be more that he's going to, we're going to learn about the, the techniques or, or, the, or the strategies of evil. But this is the nature of it and its names. This actually marries well with Old Testament supernatural realism. Satan stood against Israel. In Job 1, 6-12, and then in Job 2, we learn, we learn a story. We get an insight. And, and, and the I am says to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answers, and there's this back and forth. It's so mysterious to us. I've heard people talk about this. This is just fantasy. Do not believe that. Actually, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. We know its language is the most ancient. And this, again, there's such a realism to it. There's nothing fantastical here, really. There's just a conversation of an adversary who is poking at Job and wants to see his failure, wants to see God ashamed, is against him. And the only other place Satan is mentioned in the Old Testament is in Zechariah. Even as I was kind of preparing for the message, I'm sitting here. A lot of times, guys, I'll start praying about 
my, that God would use me to communicate the word to you, that, that it would be successful, that it would, be, that it would give, bring life. And I'm sitting there praying, and you know what happens is I'm praying, it's like I begin to think about what a lousy pastor I am. <laughs> and, and listen to this. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the I am, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Full stop. Uh, I feel that. I feel accusations. You ever feel that? And the I am said to Satan, the I am rebuke you. He uses his own name. The I am rebuke you, Satan. The I am who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a, that's all I am. I am merely a brand plucked from the fire. Praise him. Old Testament supernatural realism goes further. Who is this devil character? Now, this is where it gets weird. It gets strange. The Bible doesn't really tell us. Remember, we have imperfect knowledge. So what do we have? We have Lucifer. Look right here. Oh, day star, son of the dawn, morning star, son of the dawn, Lucifer. Here he is mentioned in Isaiah 14. But Isaiah 14 is about the king of Babylon. He's mentioned, there's another thing he mentioned, this signet of perfection. We'll see in a second. This is to the king of Tyre. But these don't appear to openly be about Satan right away. By the way, in Isaiah 27, in that day the I am with his hand, great and strong sword, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. You'll see why that's important, because that's consistent with Revelation. But the reason I bring this up is, is that, you know, we're, we're kind of pushing things to get, we're painting a picture, and the idea here is, and we have, you have to have bigger biblical perspective to get this, the kings of the earth, the presidents of this time, perhaps, wherever they are, any country, are in thrall. That's the picture of the scripture. They are mouthpieces and they are pictures of Satan's rule. They are the fingers of Satan's rule at times. And here you see it most clearly in the greatest of the ancient kings. The prophets begin to describe them in ways that are greater than any king. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, dawn of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground. Listen, you who laid the nations low, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit at the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. And this is by, in Hebrew, means heaven. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, the Hebrew version of hell. Light in the afterlife. Um, who is this? Is this an earthly person? Is this merely a king? You see, behind the king, in, in, in the kings, the images about the king are really images about a power behind that king, influencing that king. And who is it? It's our enemy, the evil one. And then this, Ezekiel 28, this, this passage, I... You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Remember, this is important. You were in Eden. Every precious stone was your covering. Everything and crafted in gold were your settings. Your On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were in the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. What are, what are the stones of fire? Heck if I know. It doesn't, incomplete knowledge. We're not, we're, not, we're not given perfect knowledge here, but it's not. 
you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Also, unrighteousness was found in you. Oh, look down here. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And I cast you to the ground. Here's a story. We are presented with a being of unbelievable beauty and power who falls. What this is, the introduction is the introduction of evil, the introduction of a, of a will that is committed to evil, a will that is against God. Why is he against God? What would provoke some being to do this? It's kind of, it's one of the great questions of all theology, because if he's perfect and he's in this wonderful, perfect splendor, how could he be deluded into thinking he could rebel against God? His power must be that great, right? So great that he could even imagine for a moment, even insanely that he was that powerful. He is called, and Christ calls him, the ruler of this world, the prince of, oh, it's weird. It's weird what he's called. Satan's fall was that he envied man, the image bearer. You know the story about the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that God had made, I am and made. And he said to the woman, we all know snakes don't talk, we're not idiots. Supernatural realism is built into the scriptures. Anybody who reads this foolishly and says, you know, the Bible talks about talking animals, it's, it's all about some sort of Narnia, that is not what this is claiming. Read it as an adult, because it's meant for adults. An active, intelligent evil lies about God and what he has said and invites them into death. Invites, and the day you eat it, you shall not eat of any tree. We say, and, and the baby to the fruit, and the God said, you may eat, shall eat the front. What does he say? You will not surely die. When Christ co confronts the religious leaders of his day, remember Satan's always most active in the church. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer. What happened to Adam and Eve after they ate? They spiritually died and physically died later. Death came. He is the great murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. And the great dragon that was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. All right, so what's, what's the picture here? This is where things, in a sense, get so weirdly amazing. Uh, God creates the world, and he places somebody with his image that they would rule. And this amazing creature, this great angel of glory, envied the love we have from God. Envied the position. Envied the power. Envied the intimacy. For we shall be one with God and no angel can claim it. We shall know God and no angel can even bear to look upon that sight. Even the angel, angels downward bend their gleaming eye. Because they can't look. But we can gaze upon him face to face. For we shall know him as he is. We are given knowledge. We are given purpose. We are given identity. We are given power from God that no angel was given. And Satan's fall was that he envied you and me. And therefore he tempted us. And we fell. 
It's a, it's a terrible story. But you know, I was thinking about this. I don't want... Look, I put a little timer on my... Um, I don't know if you ever do this, but I put a timer on my watch so I know how long I've been preaching. So I don't go too long. It never works, does it? Anyway, it's never known to work. Anyway, but I, I didn't realize I don't want my balances to be off here. Because there's a purpose here that we need to hear. Maybe Satan tempts, but I want you to know Christ. I don't care about this character. His purposes will end. His kingdom is, going to, is being destroyed even now. He is in chains. We've been told it. He can't do anything. He's an errand boy for the purposes of an eternal God. He tempts, but what do we know? No temptation is ever taking you that is not common to man. Christ is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what your ability to bear. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. Then you may be able to endure it. Turn to Christ. For he, we are faced with a terrible tempter. And, and uh, let me, uh, let me be, put the, too fine a point on it. You would not be able to take his temptation. I, I hear who you are. You have a price that, you would, that, that you, would, you would sell for. Every one of us is a sellout at the right price. Praise God, he never ever presents you with that price. Praise him. Because he only allows you to be tempted to what is bearable. And he himself will provide. He is faithful to hell with the devil and his works. To hell, indeed, Christ is faithful. He has a unified kingdom. Oh, the threats, the idea of Satan and his angels. Be not afraid. We heard last week that Legion men over 6,000 were imprisoned in that poor person. Isn't that terrible? My name is Legion, it said. Oh, but Christ now. They, that, unif- that kingdom might be unified in its hatred of God and its purposes and love. But guess what? Christ is one with us. For we have been united with Christ, for him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him, what? In a resurrection like his. For if the devil brings death, Christ brings resurrection. We have received the love of God from eternity in Jesus. Oh, we're one with him. Who cares about the devil and his works? Praise our Savior. We learn also he targeted the word. What has Christ told us? What do we know? Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Christ has given us his words. And if we will teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual things with thankfulness. Why do I include this? Uh, sure, uh, Melody, you've forgotten half the time what Sunday was about. I get it. And that's why your husband is called. This is a community action, right? To each other. This is supposed to be what we're doing out loud, this is how we're supposed to continue to replant and replant the word because we are so, look, you know, I know our minds are like a sand on the seashore and I can write a whole sermon on your head and the first whiff of trouble and somebody cuts you off in traffic, you'll forget every single thing I've said. It's like ocean. And that's why you need somebody to come along and replant it. And because you need, the, you want to let the word of God, Christ dwell in you richly and target the schemes and his purposes and his evil. His ways are not our ways. Yes, Christ in the cross is our way. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Self-denial and the knowledge of Christ are the same thing. There is no 
other way. Oh, wait, you can have God in all your, all your plans. Can't you just, we can work this out, friend. We can work this out, can't we? No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you mustn't. He physically torments us. Well, guess what? Christ will rescue our bodies too. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook. Amen. That through death, he might destroy what? The one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Oh, praise him. I know, look, you know, sometimes when I hear this stuff, like girl being crooked. I was watching this show about exorcism. Ugh, nasty stuff. I don't, ew, it just made me, ew, made me, ew. but there's something real. It's, it's, it's so, it's so real. It punches through into the real world. He wants us to fail. Well, guess what? Simon, Simon, Satan had demanded to have you, have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But some people remembered the second part of that verse, the next verse. Some of you remembered, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. He wants us to fail. Yeah, that's too bad. Christ's prayers, Christ's victory, Christ's resurrection. <laughs> this is all our success. With defeat, we'll one day see. And he said, I saw light fall, Satan fall by lightning from heaven. Christ's victory is our victory. I want you to know something here. I have given you all the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Christ's victory is our victory. In the end, these seven ways that Christ understands and has this supernatural realism about the intelligent evil of the enemy, he ends with something different. He ends with this. And I want to end with it too. I want to take you, do not rejoice. Everything I've been talking about has a sensational underbelly to it. You could get into it. Who wants to have authority over demons? Let's have fun with that one. Who want, who, and, and, we, and we could also, we could easily, even as I'm talking about this, get fooled into, into thinking something about the devil that is imported or smuggled in by our culture or our own ideas. But why, why, does, Christ say, why does Christ say this right here? Right here. He tells them, don't focus on that. I just preached all this way because you need to know about it, but don't focus on it. What should you focus on? <laughs> Your name is written in the book of heaven. Don't you get it? You're in him. You're in his power. And you're, for he was in you is greater than he was in the cosmos. And in him, Satan will be crushed under whose feet? Whose feet, Eric? Whose feet? Yours. Mine hours. Praise him. Oh, my brothers and sisters, praise him. Look, those two pastors, you know, I get it. They're sitting there and they don't want to hear the more, more of the garbage, more of the insupported and, and mythological weirdness that haunts so many weird parts of Christianity. But you know what? All of that was meant to have a purpose, and it was to drive you back to holding on more dearly to the power and the might and the victory and the joy and the presence of Christ in you. You know what the hope of glory is and the hope against demonic temptation and power? It's just the way this cracker goes inside you. Christ is in you. 
And, and these sermons and the word and our worship and our fellowship and our friendship and our prayers for each other and our love and our community and our Bible studies, what are they? They're all coming together to stand and to stand against together. These were all, all of these are in the plural. They're only owned by the plural. We're only owned by a community, a community standing in Christ. I understand what those pastors are worried about, but ignorance is far worse. There's so many in the cities doing a lot of ministry, wonderful ministry of prayer. It's an amazing ministry of prayer that he's doing. And, uh, oh, I want to give you a heads up. All of these notes will be available for you from the overhead. In fact, all right, I'm on the Slack channel now. If you want to ask me questions, I say this is a good week to do it, don't you? I'm going to cover a lot of ground here. This is a lot of weird, a lot of wild stuff. And I'm worried that I'm leaving something unsaid that has to be said. Or something that should be pointed out that hasn't been pointed out. And I want to be available. I will be available. I'm going to create, I'll create videos and respond, whatever we want, in order to make this truth clearer and more useful. Next week we're going to look at his methods. It'll be very practical. But I want to leave you with this. So this friend of mine, we were in prayer together. He has a ministry of prayer. It's really wonderful. And I was kind of suspicious about him even because sometimes Christians can get really kind of wacky and weird about prayer. Christians can get wacky about anything. We're a weird bunch. We really are. And our weirdness is, I, like, I want to hide it from people. Like I'm kind of embarrassed by you know, the weirdness of the Christian world. But the Bible isn't weird that way. But I want to share this with you. He had just received Christ. It was amazing how it came to him. And it's a, he began to come alive like you are sharing, like many of us have had, where the, the, the love and knowledge of God was, he'd just begun. And he went back to all these people he knew. And he went into this house and he knew this woman was known to be the witch of San Francisco. He knew it. He would wonder what it would be like. And she lives here still. And he walked in, knew and the Lord not know anything. And she looked at him and she said, get out. I'm not kidding. Right away, get out of my house. Get out. You don't belong here. And started yelling at him, unpromoted, unprovoked, unknowing of any what had happened. You tell me what that is. For we are in the presence of real mysteries. And we do operate with a sense of imperfect knowledge and incomplete perspective. But let us now together, as we become aware of him, let us now become aware of his schemes and his methods, become aware of the presence, and do what? Let's not become demonologists, Scott. No. Let us become people who love Jesus, worship Jesus, Stand in the power of Jesus' love. Stand in the cross. Stand in his love. Stand in his perfections. I am rescued. And let him stand like he stood before Zechariah and say, this man is filthy. This woman doesn't belong here. And you know what the Lord will say to him? I rebuke you with my own blood at the cross. Praise him. Our victory over the devil is not a victory over the devil, really. It's just a victory in Jesus. And that's enough. Let these teachings drive you back to him, and then I will know that you have understood them. And there's no mystery about just getting a hold of him by faith and having his love in you. Praise him. Let's, let's pray. Father, Father, um, I pray that um, 
Let's pray for an end of his schemes and his work. I, Father, I, you know, I, I say these things and I, I, I tenderly offer them to you. May the meditation of my heart, the words of my lips be pleasing in your sight. I, I don't, otherwise I don't have any hope. Neither do my people. But what is true in this, what is true in this teaching, what is true from your very mouth, my Savior, uh, let us learn from it. And now as we begin to see, oh my goodness, I can, I, I can see, oh, that, that this is real. This lens we looked at last week, it's, it's real. And the lens can help me understand my world and understand myself and understand suffering at times. Well, Holy Spirit, we're going to need your help right now. We're going to need you, Father, in spades. We need you to understand the Bible. We, don't, we want supernaturalism, not mythology and superstition. We are tired of Christian superstition and the world's superstition. We don't want the superstitious nonsense. We want the truth. We want the truth. You are truth. And all we've said in that is we want you. Speak your word to us and we'll sanctify. Speak your word for us, it'll purify us. Father, visit the skeptic right now and visit the person who doesn't understand this and visit the person who is confused by this teaching and visit all of us because we're all a bit bewildered and, and, uh, and let them see the truth of this and the truth of you. For I pray this in the name of your son, Father. I pray for every person here in Christ, amen. On the night he was betrayed, the night that Satan sat at his table. He sat at his table. Satan sat at his table. Oh my goodness. Huh. In Judas. By the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he also took a cup of wine saying, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take take and drink. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'll go further. As long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you take up a stand against the devil. You do. In all of his plans. Praise him. Praise our Savior. Praise our Savior. So I ask you, invite you to this table if you're a sinner. And that's my joy. That's what I love. I just, I want to invite sinners to the table. I, I just want to, that's, you know, I hate talking all this other stuff because all I want to talk about is how Jesus loves sinners. But, but it, I want you, sinners are, this is your table. If you know Jesus, if you want to trust Jesus with your life and your, your, your hope and your cleansing and your salvation, this is your table. Sinners, get up here if you know Jesus. But let me warn you, if you think you're a good person, you're not worthy of the table. Isn't that weird? Everything's so weird. Christianity, Christian, Christian realism, supernatural realism is so different than what people expect. And what it demands is that good people must repent of being good. Oh, praise him. Praise him. Good people are not worthy of it. If you're a good person, there are other churches for you to go to. This is not one of them. But I will say this. If you're a skeptic, then I pray that our Father has spoken into your skepticism. If you're a skeptic, I hope you will watch us and, and you will envy what we know and the comfort we have found, the forgiveness we know, and the victory we have in our, in our Savior. And if your envy will provoke you <laughs> to seek him out.
For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyterian.sf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.